Backchat. 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 Politics and current affairs. Backpack. Backchat. Backchat. Your alternative to talk back. You're listening to Backchat here on FBI Radio, the freshest wrap of news and current affairs. I'm Swetha Das. And I'm Shami Sivasubramanian. And as always, we're going to give you the news you haven't heard on your airwaves this week. This week is Homelessness Week, and today we're going to be talking about everything to do with housing, renting, and foster care. That's right. First up, we have Nevena Spirovska from the Home Stretch campaign about why it's important to raise the age for young people leaving out of home care. After that, we're chatting to Joel Dignam from Better Renting about why so many renters are struggling to receive assistance during the pandemic. But as always, we want to hear from you. Have you struggled to pay your rent during COVID? Have you been refused? Used a rent reduction. Join the conversation on 0409-945-945 or tweet us at Backchat FBI. It is absolutely laughable. The woman's off her tree. Backchat, your alternative to talk back. For your 18th birthday, you may have celebrated with your family and friends at a party at home or gone out to the sheaf for your inauguration into adulthood. But it's a different story for young people leaving out-of-home care. Hundreds of teenagers are required to leave their foster homes when they turn 18 and the stats aren't in their favour. In fact, they're more likely to become homeless and unemployed unemployed, or end up in prison within the first 12 months of leaving the state care system. National Homelessness Collective campaigner Nevena Sporovska is on the line to tell us about the Homestretch campaign and why it's so important to provide extended care to young people in New South Wales. Hi, Nevena. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me this morning. It's a really important conversation to have and it's a pleasure to be able to speak to you both. I'm really excited to talk to you. So can you tell us a little bit about the Home Stretch campaign and what you're hoping to achieve? Certainly. I think it's really important to set the context first about what out-of-home care is, especially in the New South Wales setting, as people might not be familiar with it. So out-of-home care, uh, which we can also broadly call foster care, is the care of children, usually between the ages of 0 and 17 years old, who are unable to live with their primary caregivers for many different reasons. And it involves the placement of that child or young person in alternate settings. And this can last from anywhere from a weekend to up until their 18th birthday. So in New South Wales at the moment, there's currently about um, 11,000 children and young people in the system. So what Homestretch is asking all state and territory governments to do is just to provide the option so that any young person who's needing or seeking help has it guaranteed until 21 years old, which is very much what's happening in other family settings across Australia. So Homestretch firmly believes that giving young people in state care that extended option gives them the best chance uh, to enjoy better life outcomes in much the same way their mates do. And so what would extended care up until the age of 21 look like? That's a great question. So it would be really shocking for most people to know, because I know it certainly knocked my chair off when I learned it, is that current government policies require the child protection system to begin preparing a young person to leave care as early as 15 years old. So that's just such a daunting thing that your life is going to be at your hands at the same time that, you know, people are going through puberty or hanging out at the local shopping centre or skate park. It's a big weight on their shoulders. 
And so by the time they're 16, 17, and up until their 18th birthday, these young people uh, have left their care setting, so whether that's the residential care setting or living with another family. So extending care would require the government to provide support in the form of ongoing carer reimbursements, so that way the people who are taking care of them are financially supported, as well as case management to the young person and resources to access education and employment activities. Uh, and the most important thing to note is if we extended care, we could halve the homelessness rate of young people who are leaving the care system. We would double their education or employment engagements and we'd reduce the um, teenage pregnancies as well, as well as uh, the impact on their mental health and just general other life indicators like the chances of offending and being arrested. So to us, it seems like a real no-brainer. So, Navina, more young people are living at home for longer now. So do you think it makes sense for young people to leave out of home care at the age of 18? To me, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, Most people in the out-of-home care system describe dreading their 18th birthday and thinking of it not something to celebrate, but something that brings them such a great amount of anxiety. And it's just completely out of step with what you know, their peers and their friends and their mates are doing. So many more young people, and especially in the if they're living in Sydney, how could you afford as an 18-year-old to learn the life skills, live out of home, finish, in some cases, your high school, find employment, create a network? And what we know about young people's developing brains and that the brain finishes developing at 25 We're setting them up for failure if we don't provide them the option to stay in their care placement until age 21. It's a nationwide campaign and you recently focused on the situation down in Victoria. How is the campaign progressing here in New South Wales? It's not progressing the way we'd like to. So to date we've had uh, success in Tasmania, South Australia, Victoria and a version of it in uh, Western Australia, at least a promise. Uh, We haven't had that commitment from New South Wales, which is why it's so important for more supporters to be involved in the campaign. And like Gareth Ward, who's the Minister for Families, Communities and Disability Services, know that reform is needed. So no commitment has been made by New South Wales. And I don't imagine that Mr Ward would be a person who considers kicking out his own children just before their 18th birthday. So why would they be doing that to children in their care, under state care? You're listening to Backchat on FBI Radio 94.5 FM with Swetha and Shami. We're speaking with Nivina Sporovska, an advocate for the home stretch reform about why we should give young people the option to stay in out-of-home care beyond the age of 18. So you mentioned before that young people in out-of-home care are more likely to experience homelessness after they leave. But what are the long-term effects of youth homelessness? They're quite devastating. Uh, We don't set up young people for success if they experience youth homelessness um, at an early age. So it uh, brings in a lot of barriers in life and it hinders their ability to re-assimilate with what we would consider to be their world. Uh, It cuts them off from their support networks. Uh, and is also a barrier for these young people becoming independent and thriving members of their lives. On a longer-term level, the consequences of homelessness bring a level of despair in the form of youth mental health problems, 
Uh, it can be associated with high levels of substance use, targeting by police and bringing on barriers to education and employment. And really critically, if young people aren't helped early, there's a very high chance uh, that they'll likely be an addition to the population of chronic uh, homelessness in adults. So how has the pandemic affected the campaign and the need to raise the age? It's put a real emphasis on the fact that this is something that needs to happen now. So Homestretch is called uh, on the New South Wales government and other governments who haven't supported it. And this call has been echoed by universities to have the recommendation for the extension of state care to be to 21. The reason being so much uh, of the support networks that young people would have right now are cut off. We've seen youth uh, on the front lines of all the horrible KPIs to do with unemployment, with having difficulty accessing services. COVID is not the spark that we need right now to make these young people's lives worse, but it could be the one that, you know, sees some sense in helping this reform be implemented. The Uniting Church became the first foster care in New South Wales to extend the age to 21 last year. Are you hoping the government and other organisations will follow suit? Absolutely. And I think you've touched on it in saying that the, in the context of COVID, it's even more paramount that this reform is implemented because young people are struggling to adapt to this shrinking world with so many of their you know, traditional supports. Now, either cut off or off limits, I think authorities really need to show some understanding and compassion uh, right now that are affecting young people and uh, extend the age to 21. So the question we want to ask you is how can our listeners get on board with the campaign? So glad you asked. (laughs) Uh, So this is a running campaign and one that we've seen great success in. So while it may not happen today, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. So we'd encourage everyone to head to the website, which is thehomestretch.org.au, sign up and add your voice to the chorus of over 21,000 supporters who believe we should finish what we started and make it 21. Very wise words, great information, a wonderful conversation. Thank you very much for being with us today, Nevena. Thank you so much for having us and thank you so much for continuing this important conversation. That was National Homelessness Collective Campaigner Nevena Sporovska speaking to us about the Home Stretch campaign and why it's important to provide extended care to young people in foster homes. Don't turn that dial because up next is Joel Dignam from Better Renting about how some renters are struggling to get rent relief during the pandemic. But first, this is a new hit from Amine. This is Compensating featuring Young Thug from his new album Limbo. Enjoy. It is absolutely laughable. The woman's off her tree. Back chat, your alternative to talk back. Did you lose your job during COVID? And does that mean you've struggled to pay your rent in the last few months? Well, if you have, you probably missed out on the rent relief you deserve. Yep, a new survey has found fewer than one in 10 renters who were struggling during the pandemic received a satisfactory rent reduction from their landlord. We're joined by Joel Dignam, the executive director at Better Renting, to chat about their findings. Hi, Joel. Thanks for talking to us today. Good morning. Good morning. So why do you think so many people have had their requests denied? I think that most property investors in Australia are used to basically getting passive income from their property, just 
the money comes into their account each month. They don't have to think too much about it. They've got an agent who takes care of it. And they really have to think of the person who's actually in the property and what their household budget might be like. So I think this is a really new situation for a lot of property investors, actually having their sort of human instincts and decency appealed to, to give a rent reduction, often for no gain for themselves. And I think, sadly, they just kept thinking about it in terms of their own bottom line and, and weren't willing to move. So who's actually eligible to receive a rent reduction in this current market? So there's been a bit of miscommunication about this from um, agents sometimes. Basically, anyone is eligible to get a rent reduction. It's, it's a negotiation between you and your landlord. There's nothing to stop them from giving you a rent reduction if they want to do so. Now, in New South Wales, there is a specific legislative definition of an impacted tenant, which is uh, if you're in a household where your weekly income has gone down by 25%, say. So that is sort of a threshold the government's created, but even if your income's gone down by less than that, or maybe not at all, there's still no reason you can't actually reach out for a rent reduction and potentially get one. So are young people and first-time renters more likely to be refused rent reductions? So this is one of the things that has come out. Um, This didn't come out strongly in our survey, but another survey by ANU did find this, that young people in particular were much less likely to get a rent reduction if they asked. And I think what this, this is coming down to a question of power and sort of confidence to have that negotiation. Young people tend to be less confident as renters. They've had less experience. They perhaps know they're less appealing as tenants to landlords. And so I guess that can make it harder for them to get a negotiation over the line. So on top of that, about half of renters who lost income didn't even ask for rent reduction, as you said, you know, the bit nervous, the first time renters. Uh, Why do you think this was the case? Yeah, these were the sorts of things we heard from renters, definitely younger renters is sort of, you know, we're we're new to renting, we're new to tenancy, we don't want to rock the boat with the landlord. Some people perhaps have been renting for longer have actually had experiences of of retaliation when they asked for things, and so they were worried too. So it was partly that fear of retaliation, but also a lot of people who are just accustomed to their landlord never really helping out, not getting repairs done on time, not being very communicative. So when that's what you've come to expect, it's hard to believe that it's going to be worth reaching out for a rent reduction. You're listening to Backchat on FBI Radio 94.5 FM with Swetha and Shami. We're speaking with Joel Dignam from Better Renting on the financial challenges renters have faced during the pandemic. And we've got a text in. We've asked you whether you've struggled to pay your rent during COVID. And if you want to join in on the conversation, you can text us in on 0409 945 945. Now, Joel, someone has texted in and has asked, what's the difference between a rent deferral and a rent reduction? Yeah, so this is another slightly confusing bit of miscommunication from some agents out there. So a rent reduction is you agree that you're not going to have to pay some rent. That might be $50 off. It might be 30% off, whatever, um, for a period of time. And you basically agree on a new rent level and you don't have to pay back the difference. A rent deferral is more like a loan from your landlord in a way where the amount that you don't pay for now, you actually have to pay back in the future. Now, if you're already struggling to pay your rent before COVID, uh, it's not going to be much easier to pay it back if you're also paying back that debt on top of it. So those deferrals are something we've seen out there. You know, for some renters, they, they're better than nothing, um, but they aren't really helping people to actually make their budget work longer term. So we know income support will be cut or reduced for a lot of people in September. How can we make the process easier for renters moving forward? So... We're pushing for income support to be kept at the current level. This is something, this is something that the government could do, um, particularly in light of how quickly the situation is changing in Australia. Certainly, if you're thinking about losing $150 a week if you're on JobSeeker come September, 
you might want to think about getting in touch with your landlord for a rent reduction if you haven't reached out previously. Um, in, in New South Wales, you can get in touch with tenants in New South Wales. There are local tenants advice services who might be able to help out with that. I guess another option that a lot of renters are taking is you know, maybe moving with a partner, moving back with parents. It's not ideal for a lot of people, um, but if you can, those are obviously options that help you to reduce your housing costs. So this is a question that is baffling me, right? The, the rental market is at its lowest. It's been in 15 years and rental demand is down. So wouldn't it make more sense for landlords to negotiate satisfactory rent relief rather than moving out and having to find new tenants? Yeah, it's, it's a strange behaviour and sometimes landlords don't necessarily act in their own economic interest. I think part of what's going on here, so what we've seen sometimes is landlords actually do refuse a rent reduction the tenants then move out and the landlords suddenly find they have to start reducing the rent even more just to try to draw in new tenants, particularly in some of the inner city areas which now have a lot more empty apartments and have seen a big drop-off in demand. So those landlords maybe don't realise how much the market has changed until they suddenly have an empty property. But it's not always that easy. There are lots of areas, particularly for lower rent properties, where there isn't the same sort of balance pressure on rent. And a lot of renters can't actually afford to move out. It's expensive to move. They might be in the middle of a tenancy they might not be confident of getting a new lease somewhere else. So they're sort of trapped where they are and their only option is to try to get a lower rent. And I think some landlords um, are taking advantage of that. So how much longer will it be to access coronavirus-related rent relief? So uh, what I can say is that this rent relief is available for the moment. So there isn't that much formal relief in New South Wales. For some landlords, if they agree to a rent reduction, they can get um, their own land tax reduced. So effectively, the government will subsidise the rent reduction. That's currently available. I'm not sure when it might be wound up, um, but there isn't too much more other than that. So if a tenant isn't happy with the outcome of their rental relief request, what are their options? Unfortunately, in New South Wales, there aren't many options. So in Victoria or Queensland, you can actually appeal to the tribunal who will make a binding judgment that the landlord has to abide by. That's not an option in New South Wales. So what is the case in New South Wales is that if you're getting behind on rent, you can't actually be evicted for COVID-related rental debt unless your landlord and you have had a good faith negotiation. So if your landlord's not negotiating, you're struggling to pay rent, you are technically protected from eviction. Um, but if you are having concerns about that or, you know, struggling with negotiating that rent reduction, again, you can check out the Tenants New South Wales website, um, tenants.org.au, and then you can find your local tenant service who'll be able to let you know what your options might be. This has been so informative for me personally and mm. I'm sure for our listeners. So thank you so much for being with us today, Joel. No problem. That was Joel Dignam from Better Renting about why so many renters are struggling to receive assistance during the pandemic. Well, that's all the time we've got for the show today. Another big thanks to our producers, Natalie Sekolovska, Eden Faithful, Millie Roberts, Vanessa Lim and Nicole Ilya Guyeva. And thanks again to our guests, Nivena Spirovska and Joel Dignam. We'll catch you all next week. But before we go, we're going to play a song. This is Second to None by my new favourite artist. She's from Melbourne. Her name's Vida Sunshine. Um, and this is their song, Second to None. Have a good weekend.